In September of 1999, Pope John Paul II really stunned much of the Catholic world and really the world in general as he was prone to do. But one of the things that he did was he said that the Catholic Church needed to apologize. And he said, he came out and he apologized for every time throughout our 2,000 years history that Catholics have either given a bad example, have failed to speak up when they should have said something out of fear, or just been outright, well, evil, keeping in mind that Adolf Hitler was himself a baptized Catholic. And so he came out and, and he was apologizing and the, the, cardinal, <laughs> the cardinals go to the, the Pope and they said, is, is this really necessary? Like, can we just ignore it? Like, do we really have to apologize? And he was like, yeah, yes, we do. We need to apologize. Because what he called the great mea culpa, he said that it's a purification of memory. Because he said when someone apologizes, they are taking ownership of it, healing themselves. They're hopefully healing the relationship with the other person and also with God. It's sometimes weird that the words, I am sorry, are so hard for a lot of people to say. Like, the, the, they may be sorry, but just to say, I am sorry, is, is really hard for a lot of people to say. Um, here's the truth, though. I'm going to be honest with you. The truth is, sometimes we have to apologize for things that are not our fault, and sometimes we have to forgive people who won't apologize. Sometimes we have to apologize for things that weren't your fault. Well, Father, look, I'm not going to apologize if it's not my fault. Have you ever had to do that? I'm guessing anybody that's been married more than 20 minutes knows what I'm talking about, okay? All right? You know, as a priest, um, it's not uncommon. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not uncommon for people to start yelling at us in any given situation because Father Grouchy yelled at them in the confessional when they were in third grade. Okay, they see this collar, and you're a target. Okay, now, now let's say that somebody's yelling at me because Father Grouchy yelled at them 30 years ago. And let's say I respond like, back up, man. I didn't do this. Mind your own business. How do you think that's going to go over? Now they got two priests they're mad at, right? So what do I do? I control myself, and then I lunge for their neck. No, I don't do that. (laughs) I control myself, and then I say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that was your experience. How can I help? Sometimes we have to apologize for things that weren't our fault, and sometimes we have to forgive people that won't apologize. Maybe you had a horrible, abusive home and your father is now deceased. Well, he's not here to apologize, and even if he were, he still wouldn't do it, okay? But we still need to forgive. 
Still need to do that. You know, here's the thing. If you want to walk away with something that I'm telling you this morning, maybe just something to chew on. Folks, the best good actions in the future are always the best apologies for the past. I'll just say that again. Good actions in the future are always the best apologies for the past. You want to sum it up in two words? There you go. Show me. (laughs) You ever known somebody, they're really good at apologizing. They just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You know, you've ever worked with an addict, you know what I'm talking about, right? You can be very apologetic and they keep going back to it. Good actions in the future are always the best apologies for the past. Show me. You know, in um, Matthew chapter 5, this is what Jesus says, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, before you come to the altar, before you come to me, go and be reconciled with the person first to the best of your ability. Now, they may not hear you. Okay, that's fine. That's on them. But for your part, you need to try. Yeah? You know, John Paul II, he didn't do all these things he was apologizing for. But he did it. The truth is, sometimes we have to take it on the chin, folks. Even if you're, you didn't do anything wrong. Take it on the chin, man. Learn from it. Jesus did it. You know, in, uh, those of you that may have been to Charleston... South Carolina. I love Charleston. Man, they got good food. So I used to live there, and uh, for side money, I used to do um, banquet work. I worked catering. And we went to this one party. We were catering this party down in the Battery, not too far from the Citadel down there. And we walked in. You know, we had these big silver domes, and you walk in like this and set it down. You pull the dome up. So this one kid, this little boy, he, he asked for uh, milk. So I was like, yeah, I'll be right back. So I go to the kitchen, get a glass of milk for this kid, and I'm walking out of the kitchen, and somewhere between the kitchen and the table, gravity happened, and I spilled the whole glass of cold milk down the back of this woman's dress. And uh, she handled it very well. She... She was in mid-conversation. This cold milk goes down her back, and she just sat up, and she said, Oh! And this is, I told her this is why she's a better person than me, because I would have said, Oh, something else. Okay? But I was so apologetic. I was like, I'm so sorry. It's so embarrassing. Everybody turns around and looks at me. I'm 12 shades of red. I said, I am so sorry. And she, She looks at me and she says, young man, I didn't want to be here anyway, now I can leave. (laughs) I'm like, glad I could help you out. But sometimes we have to eat humble pie, right? We just have to do this. There's three steps to giving a good apology. Number one, please. Listen and do not interrupt. Listen and do not interrupt. If the person is asking, it's clear they need an apology from you, or they're saying, but, 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 but you do this, and, you're, and our response is knee-jerk, right? We're like, yeah, but come on. I mean, you're doing this. And 
So it becomes a tit-for-tat tennis thing. Because they say something, we say something, they say something, we say something. And I don't care, by the way, how long we've been married. I don't care how long you've been a priest. We've all been guilty of this. We listen and don't interrupt, even if we want to. Number two, we have to say the words, I am sorry. It's got to come out of your mouth. Well, Father, my spouse knows I'm sorry. That's not enough, brother. You got to say it. You got to say it to your kids. And by the way, this is a side note. You know what I think? The same people that can't say those words, I am sorry, you'll never see them in the confessional. I'm just saying, take it for what you want. There's a correlation. Well, Father, they know I'm sorry. It's not good enough. Part of speaking it means we own it. That's why, by the way, priests have spiritual directors. Okay, I go to my spiritual director about six times a year. And when I say it, I own it. And over, over the years, I see, you know, I'm, I've been struggling with that for a while. I'm sorry. Number three, change your behavior. Show me. I'll close with this. Anybody here ever been to the Cathedral Basilica in St. Louis? If you've never been there, it is well worth your time to go on a road trip to St. Louis. Oh, and by the way, Halfway there in Sykes to Missouri, you can stop where they throw the rolls at you. Okay, makes you proud to be an American, I'm just telling you. So if you go in in the Cathedral Basilica, the largest collection of mosaics in North America, right above this dome they have up here, there's an arch. And in the arch, it depicts Matthew chapter 25 and the separation of the sheep and the goats. So there's heaven and hell. Heaven is, of course, very beautiful, but hell is not hellfire and brimstone. It's not fires. You know how the artist depicts hell? Cold. Cold. Freezing. So the artist got that from Dante's Divine Comedy. I'm not sure how many of you may have read Divine, the Divine Comedy by Dante. He wrote it in the 14th century. It took him 13 years to write this. So Dante, when he wrote the Divine Comedy, hell is not fire. It's freezing. It's freezing. And in the lowest part of hell, Dante has these people that are frozen in a frozen lake. And here's the thing. (laughs) They're frozen from the nose down. Their nose is just above the water so they can keep breathing but everything from their mouth down is frozen solid in this lake for all eternity. So sleep well. (laughs) Thanks, Father, for that image. Okay. But Dante's Dante's, um, depiction here is to, to show us this, that some people are frozen in their inability to forgive or ask forgiveness. And here's the funny thing, they can melt the ice at any moment. They don't want to. They choose the frozen lake of unforgiveness. Okay. We're going to be happier if we melt 
the ice of unforgiveness. And by the way, the people around you will be too. The greatest apology in the future is changing, changing our actions in the future. The greatest apology we can give for the past is changing our actions in the future. It is. And sometimes we have to apologize for things that <laughs> we didn't do. And sometimes we have to forgive people that won't apologize. And even if they were here, they still wouldn't apologize. In fact, they expect us to do something and apologize that we didn't do anything wrong. We do it anyway sometimes. We don't have to do it all the time. We have to do it sometimes. We'll be a happier person when we do that. 